Welcome back to another episode of 30, Flirty, and Surviving. It is Tracy. New episodes drop every Monday at 9 a.m. on Apple, iHeart, Spotify, and some clips on YouTube as well. And you can follow along on Instagram at 30, Flirty, Surviving, and the same handle on TikTok as well. I am... What's the right word? I always say I'm so excited, but I feel like now I'm like losing my authenticity because I'm just so excited every single week. But I really am thrilled because we have another guest with me today. A long, long time ago, we had on Jenny Lee from The Money Honey, and it has been long overdue to have another conversation about our finances. I know that this has been a really confusing time. It's a little bit of a tricky time. And there's a lot of different questions that people have about our money and how to invest it, how um, how to budget it better. So I have with me Sylvia, who is a certified financial advisor, and she is going to be answering all of your burning questions today. Sylvia, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much, Tracy, for having me. I'm so excited to meet in real life. I know, <laughs> I know. I... I already kind of felt like we did because you just have such a bubbly personality, even over Zoom. <laughs> I felt like you were sitting there right next to me, which is great because you know what? Honestly, I think we're, we kind of talked about this a little bit on our call, but I think that so many people get nervous about our finances and money because it just feels very rigid and strict and it can be a little intimidating and you just make everything that much easier with your disposition. So I'm sure your clients very much appreciate you because of that. Oh my gosh, I had to do it or else I would like not be in business if I didn't make it fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's what sets you apart and it's working, girl. Oh my gosh, well everyone hates, a lot of people don't like their finances. Yes. It's, hate, no, hate's a good word. Hate, people hate, hate it. <laughs> or like people, I ask people, I'm like, let's do this forecast because I don't use the word budget anymore. Mm. And they're like, oh, yeah, budget gets me hives. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> Just start breaking out everywhere. <laughs> exactly. So I, I try to make it fun and relatable and easy because pe most people hate their finances. But at the end of the day, if you don't have this under control, it's going right. to control you. So <laughs> already has the one liners and we're only a couple minutes in. I like it. I want to start with a couple basic questions for you, if you don't mind. First and foremost, how old are you? I am 32, going Woo! on 33 in January. <gasps> Happy early birthday. Thank you. I feel like it's almost January. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would make you a Capricorn? Yes. Do good. you? Oh, girl. <laughs> I, I know my signs. Oh. I know. Um, do you know anything about astrology? Do you feel like you resonate with a Capricorn? I would think in your profession, Capri being a Capricorn comes in handy quite a lot. So honestly, I'm a little bit bad with this, and you're. But I totally want to hear about being a Capricorn. I mean, that's <laughs> very organized, very regimented, very like on top of things, ambitious, goal oriented. I feel like you have to be that like attention to detail and that super focused in this job, so it, it lines up. It oh, I like that. I yes. like that. <laughs> yes, you have to definitely be very detailed and like ambitious mm -hmm. I think in this field and especially as like a business owner yeah because or else it's not gonna happen <laughs> exactly no, you can't let anything slip through the cracks yeah. in this profession that's for sure yeah where were you born and raised I was born in Barcelona Spain <gasps> wow yeah so I was born in Barcelona and raised there until I was about nine and then my family moved to Concord Mass okay which is a very for those of you on the show that are not from the Boston area it's a very uptight um, <laughs> type of neighborhood. And so it was a, quite a change going from the Spaniard sure. and moving to Concord, but it's actually beautiful. Wow. So, and so you do you live in Concord now? I don't. I live in Beacon Hill in, okay. in that area. So Great. So you've moved a little closer to downtown. Moved around. Mm -hmm. I've moved everywhere, you know. Really? Outside of Massachusetts as well? Yeah. So right after college, I moved to Switzerland. I moved all over the place. <sighs> and then I did a whole circle and moved back to my to Boston to be with, be with my family. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm jealous. We'll have to talk offline a little bit about all your adventures and your travels, but that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Relationship status, my dear. So I've been single pretty much my whole life, except for now. 
<laughs> so it's kind of crazy. Wait, so this is like your first hot and heavy real relationship? I know, my first relationship passed three months. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> I know, I'm very proud of my, my parents are proud. Is he a keeper? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, definitely. all right. He'll probably listen to this. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. We love a supportive man, a supportive partner. How long have you been together? So about a year and a half. Oh, okay. So long time. So you're well past that three months, girl. I'm past. I know. I can't believe I made it. Like usually, I don't even pa- make it past the first date. Oh, but. stop it! Stop it! Okay. Now, my last question before we start getting into the good stuff is: being a financial advisor, I bet the people would love to know what is that one item that is kind of like your treat yourself thing that you like to splurge on whenever you're going to drop a little cash where did do, where does it go travel travel hands down that should have known that i should have like, seen that one coming <laughs> Tra- but i feel like a lot of my clients are the same like whenever we're doing like budgets or whatever not budgets but like forecasts mm-hmm. i'm like i know travel is probably going to be important to you. you're like yes <laughs> like, it really is it's so important and i think our generation like right now or this age group it's all about experiences and memories and there's so, when you travel you get to try new food too you get to go to new places you get to meet new people so you kind of get to do a lot of different different things under that umbrella and it checks so many of the boxes so it's worth the investment absolutely I can I can you know I drive a 10 year old car and all the things but traveling is is like a must (laughs) (laughs) I love it okay so you hinted that you were in Switzerland for a while but let's like back up to um tell everybody a little bit about your background and how you got into this I think that it's very obvious or well-known, this isn't as strongly female-dominated of an industry as some others. So I'd love to know how you landed here and if this was something you always thought you were going to do. And then tell me a little bit about like the career path and how you got off the ground. Totally. So what happened was I thought I was going to go into marketing because okay. I loved marketing. I thought I was going to, I would, I would apply to jobs in like the beer industry and I don't even drink beer, <laughs> and, which was kind of crazy. So I would apply to the, all these jobs and then people would ask me why marketing, why marketing? Well, long story short, I never knew really what to answer. I was like, it's just cool. It just sounds fun. Yeah. And what happened was um, all of a sudden a, my dad retired like 10 years ago. And he actually had to find a financial advisor to kind of manage his money because now he had some business that he sold. And that kind of opened up for me this whole new thing. I was the person that hated finance. I hated math. I hated numbers. I could not read a balance sheet. I didn't even know what a balance sheet was. Now you sound like me. Right? Like I was like, <laughs> what is gross income? What does gross margin mean? Like all these words, like... I hated them. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it meant. And I was so embarrassed because my dad was good at math and I wanted to be like my dad. And it was so embarrassing. And plus, I went to business school. And so I started to learn a lot about the stock market and investing. And my dad started investing in 2011. And ever since 2011, like, the market just went up and up and up and up. So for me, it was like, wow, like, you're making more money now that you're retired than when you had that happen. Exactly. So I was like, wow. Like, I got to know more about this whole investing thing. And I started to learn from these. And then I started doing some internships in Boston at JP Morgan and then went to Credit Suisse in Switzerland and just ended up liking it so much that it was like the career that I chose. Wow. Um, so I kind of became obsessed with investing and budgeting and, sp- and like all the things, even though I came from like a background of like hating it. That's so funny. And also, I mean, that's a, a big player in the game, JP Morgan, for this to not even be really like on your long-term plan originally, something that you didn't even think about doing, all of a sudden deciding you want to get into it and landing a job at that type of company, that's really impressive. Oh, I was so excited when I got the job, <laughs> I have to say. And uh, I was, I think, I think being a woman also helps in the industry um, mm-hmm. because there's not, there's not just enough women out there. And at the end of the day, at the, like women are the ones making the purchasing decisions, um, and tell them, honey. And so go now, off. Oh my God! All the all the banks now for those that listening that maybe think of having a career in finance, literally they're, they're like hiring women like crazy because because that's because what the clients are demanding and that's who's getting the money. 
And so at the Amen. end, of, you know, like <laughs> at the end of the day, the husband had in the past may ha- may have made the money, but I can almost guarantee you it was the woman in the relationship that made the decisions and said no or yes. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. And, and and even like, so my boyfriend even has a company and he's like, yeah, the women are the ones purchasing our products, our services. And like, they're the one, yeah. So it's quite, I think men are finally realizing it. So <laughs> it only took, it only took like however many years. <laughs> But yeah. okay, that's really reassuring. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. And um, so y- when you first started off, you were doing a lot of high net worth clients, right? And managing their portfolios. Absolutely. And 50 million and up. So we could not take any client under $50 million. And most of our clients had like three or 400 million with us. So like one person or your clients were companies? Uh, it was like, it was a company, but it was the owner, right? Because we work, mm. all of our clients were like the, it was Mexican clients. So we work with the ultra high, and Mexico has a lot of wealth. Mm. And many of these clients were like business owners that had multiple businesses, and they kind of just wanted us to manage their wealth and manage their day-to-day finances. Yeah. So it was like, wow, right? You being around these types of people and wealth, you don't really think anything of it. Or you're like, oh, 300 million, okay. And then you get out of that world and you're like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, yeah, when it's your day to day, you start to think it's the norm. Totally, I would make $10 million payments like that. They're like the client would call up and be like, hey, I need $10 million because I'm buying a few cars for my collection and I need this and this. And it was very, very like, it was our normal day to day thing. It was um, insane. I insane. will never be able to relate. I know. To I, should, that. I should write a book about working in Switzerland with like yeah, super millionaires. That's incredible. <laughs> and I know, I feel like you see that on movies. A lot of times, unfortunately, I feel like the high wealth gets associated with some maybe illegal activities. Money laundering, yeah. yes. <laughs> but is it like as uptight as it's sort of presented because I think it always it always comes across in the movies or on screen like sir you know I can't move this where do you think I can just get all this money from right now I can't move this this takes a lot of approvals it's a longer process is it really that strict or is it a lot easier than we expect so for our clients that we already knew it would take maybe like to move it depends on the money right to move five million I would need maybe two approvals from the heads Mm. just to approve it ten million I would need three and and so I even remember one night it was like 6 p.m. in the evening a client called they're like I need this money there was nobody to approve it except for one guy who didn't really know me and I run to the guy I'm like I have to move this 10 million and the guy's like what the heck is this money and he approved it because I begged him and the next day he called my cell phone he's like Sylvia I'm freaking out about this like is this serious is this legit I'm like I promise this client is like all day long but but it was for the clients that we knew, because they had been clients for like 10, 20 years. Yeah. So we knew them. But now it's just becoming very, like they want to know, banks want to know everything. They want to know right. how did you make this money? What did you sell? If you're in anything like cryptocurrency, it's going to be hard for you to have a wealth manager manage your money because they don't mm. want that responsibility. Because there's a lot of money laundering in cryptocurrency. So banks, like really large banks, don't want anything to do with it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Before you got here, I was talking to Peter, my producer, and then one of the other guys at Big Night, and we were asking ourselves like a couple questions, and I was trying to think of some other things to ask you, and we had mentioned crypto or Bitcoin, NFTs, stuff like that. What would be your expert advice when it comes to that? Do you think those digital currencies are worth investing in? So here's the thing, and I, I, I think... 90%, 95% of your investments should be in boring companies that have tested the time, like the test of time, right? Very boring. If you have extra income and you're like, you know what, I want to put an extra, you know, I don't know, thousand dollars, two thousand. I have I have no idea. But like something that you can lose and not be and be okay with, Mm -hmm. go ahead and do it. But don't expect, like, don't invest in cryptocurrency. Don't put all of your money in cryptocurrency. Like just because you're like hoping that it's gonna go up. Interesting. The the thing about that's different between cryptocurrency and the stock market, and I think that's something that people need to understand is that when you're buying a company, you're buying a portion of a real asset that's earning 
like they either make a profit or they're making money, right? Like if you buy a re- if you buy a portion of a restaurant, that restaurant is selling things mm-hmm. and they have expenses, and then any profit can go to you as the investor. The problem with cryptocurrency, it's literally we're just all speculating that it's going to be a big thing, but there's nothing, there's no profit, to prove it, yeah, nothing, or like a house, right? When you invest in a house uh, and you buy real estate, you have that tenant paying you monthly dividends or mon- mm-hmm. monthly income. You don't get that with cryptocurrency. So you just have to understand that it's a very speculative investment and that, yeah, I believe in blockchain. I think that makes sense. I only have like $100 in cryptocurrency because I that's just like my gambling money. Yeah. Everything else, I have it in like It's boring. your biggest money. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my tiny, I, I literally just did it because the clients were asking me and I'm like, I have to figure out how to buy this thing. Right, right. So you take a small little amount and see what happens and then you can kind of walk through it a little bit better. You'll see it firsthand. Well, now it's probably just fifty dollars because it, it crashed, <laughs> but uh, it's staying hold to twenty thousand. So mm-hmm. I'm not anti cryptocurrency. I just think that people need to understand how it fits into the overall context, mm-hmm. and so I wouldn't put more than like five percent of your entire money into crypto, or not even maybe one. Like five is pushing it. Wow. Okay, that's huge news because I think it seems to be very popular. It seems all the rage. And if I'm understanding you correctly, the biggest risk with it is that we really just don't know what's going to happen. So your chances of seeing that money double or seeing your stocks, you know, go up are much less because it's just an unknown territory. Exactly. You're just gambling. And and in the, um, it was, I believe it was in the 50, it, um, it, like literally 500 years ago, this same thing happened in uh, the Netherlands with oh. the tulip mania. And a lot of people don't know this, but basically everyone was selling their tulips for like millions and millions. They were like this one and they would it would be like, like a the hot flower. Pot- yeah, the, the flower. The was- tulip flower. I'm not joking. They were <laughs> selling it for millions. It was a hot potato. Right. And it was like, I have this tulip. Let's let's look at the next um dumb person who's gonna buy it for a higher price. <laughs> she covers her mouth, she I feels bad saying it. Like, I told you she's like a little angel. <laughs> it's gonna be, who's gonna, cause yeah, I swear a lot and I have to, my mom is like, I taught you better. And I know, my mom's mortified. <laughs> That's why she doesn't listen. Oh my God, <laughs> I know I can't swear. But, and so everyone was like, let's, it's the hot potato. Who's the, who's the next person who's gonna buy this thing at a higher price? And so you don't wanna get caught up in that because in this year we've seen companies like Apple go down maybe 12% this year mm-hmm. so far versus there's other companies like um, Robinhood um, called um, other like cryptocurrencies, things like that. They're down 70%. Wow. Because there were people were buying companies that were just speculative. They were like, they had no earnings. They had no profits. They just kept buying kind of like what we were talking about earlier. We work, you know, mm-hmm. it, it kind of collapsed because there was no earnings. Right. And yeah. you can only, you know, when investors, investors want to see their money back. So I always say 95% to 99% should be in very boring blue, they call them blue chip. The more unsexy you can make your investments, the better, the better. you'll do. I'm not even kidding. So many people. Wow. Yeah. People come to me after they've been burned and they're like, I got to I gotta do a real strategy well, now. This is so good to hear mm-hmm. because I do think it's such a hot ticket item. And especially there's so many celebrities mm-hmm. that are um, promoting this and advocating for this. And it really makes you think that, you know, I would assume someone who has a platform would understand the responsibility to offer advice or say this is what they're doing. And I know for legality purposes, a lot of them will say, I'm not telling you to do this, but this is what I'm doing, wink, wink, wink type of stuff. So I know that there's not like anything, any repercussions that they'd face, but so many people are backing this up. It's everywhere. And you would think, okay, well, this sounds great. Everybody's doing it. It's that type of it's that type of situation, you know? That's how it's presented to us. So to hear it from you really makes you put things into perspective. I'm glad that you... And people are always going to tell me, because I, I, I fell into the wagon with a similar thing 10 years ago when I started investing. People are going to say, oh, you know, old lady, like, you don't know what the heck. You're 32. Like, you don't understand. Old lady that. at 32. <laughs> I'll fight them. Light them up. Where are they? You don't know the... Future and I see other financial planners promoting it, and it's okay. And I think digital assets make sense, but you just need to understand what you're buying. So okay. that's why I'm a little bit precaution. And I even in stocks, you should not be having more than five percent 
of a single company in your portfolio. Okay, okay, pause mm-hmm. that thought because yeah. I want to get to that in a, in a minute. But right right off the bat, when, when I first started asking about your background um, and we were talking about, you know, women in this industry, et cetera, um, there's this intimidation factor when it comes to money. And it was so important for me to have episodes like this and have somebody like you come on because I want to inspire women to feel more comfortable managing and controlling their money, or at least being able to have conversations about it, going to an expert for their guidance, whatever it may be. Um, But I think that even before we can get there, even before we get to the point where we're reaching out to an advisor of some sort, if we don't even know how to speak the language and know what we want or what we're looking for, what we need, then how do you even know you're choosing the right advisor, right? So I really wanted to kind of focus today's episode on like the 101, learning the lingo, learning the basic advice on um, specifically investing, but also a little bit of of money management as well. So you're going to be my like dictionary today. Okay. (laughs) I just want to make it really easy for people to just be able to understand and start being a part of those conversations. Because I think we bow out so often um, because we don't want to seem uneducated. But how are you ever going to educate yourself if you don't start asking some questions like it's okay to say hey I don't know I think we're ashamed especially in our 30s like we should know this by now we're not taught this in school you know I am never going to need trigonometry I'm sorry (laughs) but I would have loved a freaking class on taxes or stocks and investments you know what I mean um so we're here a little better late than never but we're doing it okay the class is in session people (laughs) okay so my first question for you is most basic. When you talk about managing portfolios, what is considered a portfolio or and what is in, concluded in that, I should say, included? Okay, great question. And um, again, so I try to never use financial jargon, but sometimes it slips by me. So a portfolio basically is like a basket. Think of it as a basket of apples or oranges or and and it, it basically includes all of these different apples, oranges, all the different stocks, right? You have uh, companies, you can have Apple, Microsoft, uh, you can have some cash in there, you mm-hmm. can have cryptocurrency. Your portfolio is basically your whole entire uh, money. Basically think of it as like a briefcase or okay. a, a basket of different types of companies and different types of, they call them asset classes. Asset classes, I don't wanna get too technical, but it's basically you can buy either cash, you can buy stocks, which is companies, or you can also buy bonds, which is very similar to kind of like a high yield savings account. Okay. Um, not exactly the so same, but I'm trying to So more or less, make- it's the combination of the places where your money lives. Okay, that was perfect. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> You're much better at this than no, me. No, no, I just want to make sure, because I, I, I need lay people terminology, and I feel like repeating it sometimes helps me make sure I understand it correctly. Yes. Does that sound right? Perfect. Okay. It okay. sounds perfect. I'm going to use that now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you also mentioned assets. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear a lot about liquid assets versus, I don't know it's non-liquid so what does that mean yes so a liquid asset is something that you can turn into cash very fast right so for example if i own not a private company but a public company like apple Mm -hmm. in my stock portfolio i can sell it right away right i can just go into my either my investment accounts and i go buy sell and i sell it that's a more of like a liquid, something that you can turn into cash super fast. Okay. A house, on the other hand, would be very illiquid. Mm. You can't sell a house in a day. I mean, unless it was like, you know, seven months or ago when it was like yeah. crazy. Yeah. But that's more illiquid, right? It takes, you need a you need all these brokers, you need loan officers, blah, all these different persons. And it okay. takes usually even months to close on a house in a regular market. Yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. So is it, how would you classify other like tangible things versus intangible things too? that like what your cash that's sitting in a savings account, say not the stuff that you have invested. Is that a liquid asset? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And then what about like a car? 
a car is more like illiquid because in order to sell it, it doesn't go. You can't really sell it in a in a, in a day or two. Mm-hmm. You, it usually takes a couple, maybe weeks to sell. Yeah, that's more illiquid. Okay. And usually, I don't like using cars when you're talking about mm. your assets, and the reason why is because it depreciates. So what I mean by this, right? Theoretically, homes or real estate should appreciate in the mm-hmm. long run, That's or right. companies appreciate in the long run. Not all, obviously, some can go bankrupt. But when you buy a car, usually it's going to become less valuable mm-hmm. over time. So that depreciates. So you don't want to buy, that's kind of what I tell my clients, you you wanna buy things that appreciate over time, mm-hmm. right? Like if you buy a handbag, if you buy a car, if you buy, most of the time it's going to depreciate if you buy clothes those are like not really things that are going to increase in value unless you're buying like a Rolls Royce that's you know in in general but if you buy companies or houses or assets things that appreciate that's better for your overall wealth because that's Mm going to help you create more wealth okay that makes perfect sense to me now same but different net worth what is your net worth made up of? Yes, so your net worth is made of everything that you own. So in this case, you can own a car. Yes, you can put that. I definitely don't like putting cars again because it's appreciating, Mm -hmm. but a net worth would be your cash in your bank. Um, Maybe you have certificates of deposits. You know, back in the day, CDs were like, probably depending on how young people are, they might not hear it. Uh, Bonds, those are things Mm -hmm. that you lend to the US government or other companies, uh, stocks. Mm-hmm. Those are part of like things that you own. Okay. And then th- liabilities or things that you owe, right? Like a mortgage or credit card mm. debt. Those are all things that you owe. And so what you take what you own minus what you owe, and that's gonna be your net worth. And that's the real way to track your money. So okay. some people will tell me, yeah, I have a million bucks. I'm like, do you really have a million bucks? They're like, And when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, you have a million, but you have an $800,000 mortgage. So you only have 200,000 under your true worth. So your net worth is like your true worth. So next time a guy is showing off about his big house, be like, how much is your mortgage worth? Yeah, but what's your net worth? (laughs) What's your net worth, exactly. (laughs) I love that. Okay, that's super, super helpful. Um, And then also too, just because we're we're doing the most basic 101 lingo here, you've mentioned stocks and bonds. How would you quickly describe what what each of those are? Yes, so when you, stocks are mostly you invest in a company and you are a part owner, right? So if you came to me and you're like, Sylvia, I wanna be a part owner of your company, Mm. I would give you like a 5% or 10%. um, And so any profits that come through my business, you would be entitled to like five or 10%. Okay. That's when, that means you're a stockholder or a company owner or an investor. Mm -hmm. Whereas a bond is basically like debt, right? So instead of coming to me and you're like, Sylvia, I wanna give you money because I wanna be a part owner, I'm actually just going to lend you money. So I'm gonna give you this $1,000 and then you have to pay me back. So that's Mm. more like a bond. A bond is an IOU, you have to pay it back. So there's risky bonds and not risky bonds. And I know we can get really complex here, (laughs) but overall, you just wanna think of it. If you like, say that you think Amazon is going to skyrocket in the next 10 years because you believe in the company, you think it's doing well, you'll wanna be like a stockholder versus if you think like you just kind of want that money back, you wanna be more like a bond holder. So bonds are not gonna pay as much as stocks because they're less risky, Mm. but you know, in the long term, they're not gonna return as much. So okay, okay. Yeah, so think of bonds as more like short-term safe investments. Uh, I'm just really like, there's all types of bonds, but I just yes. wanna make it very simple for people. Think of it as more like safe investments okay. versus stocks are a little bit more longer term, riskier investments, but you need that risk in order to really have that return. That's right. What did they say? No risk, no reward. No risk, right? no reward. Exactly. Okay. okay. But don't go crazy with that, people. Like, exactly. <laughs> don't yeah. take that and totally run with it. Yeah. But, you but know. there's risky ways to invest and there's unrisky ways to invest. Just like driving a car, right? There's a risky yeah. way to drive a car and then like you swirl and you do all these crazy stuff. Right. And then there's methodical ways. You put your seatbelt on, you, you know, make sure that you're looking left and right and you drive during the speed limit. And so even if you're like investing for the long term in stocks, there's safer ways to do it. Right, staying within certain guidelines. Exactly. Or, okay, perfect. Yeah. So now let's dive into investing. Okay. 
I think one of the biggest questions people have is when should I start investing? When would you recommend? And it can either be a certain age or it can be a threshold of income or savings. But what is your typical go-to advice? My go-to advice would be as, as, as soon as you have earned income, Mm-hmm. you should start investing. So okay. ideally, I would love for you to start investing when you're born. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not realistic. Yeah, Most people come to me in their late 20s, early 30s. I've had some people in their 40s come. Um, 40, it's never, you know, at least get started, but you're going to get the most bang for your buck as soon, like even while you're in college, if you're working part-time mm-hmm. and you can start investing then, that's gonna be even better. So okay. the earlier you can, the better because you're gonna have compound interest on your side and it's just gonna be better for you, right? Like as soon as you hear this episode, you should start investing. Okay, <laughs> perfect. So, but at the end of the day, never too soon, never too late, yeah. but the earlier is better. You'll see more benefit in the long run. Absolutely. Okay. And now, yep. Absolutely. Okay. And when it comes to investing in stocks specifically, you hear a lot about S&P 500. It, I think when you're the just beginning yeah. to, to start looking into this, that tends to be the recommendation. Can you explain to everybody what the S&P 500 actually is. Yes, so the S&P 500, a lot of crypto bros will probably tell you it's very boring, but it's <laughs> not. It's done really well in the past you know, 100 years. It's, it, it's a basket of 500 different companies that all income in the United States. So companies like Apple, Microsoft, Berkshire Hathaway, Tesla, uh, Johnson & Johnson, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, all these, there's 500 different companies in all these different industries mm. that make up the S&P 500. And it's the way that as investors, we track how the stock market is doing. So whenever you hear that word, it's very simple. It's just a basket of 500 different companies, probably companies that you know, and it's a very easy way to kind of get started investing by owning uh, S&P 500. Okay, okay, perfect. Do you have any companies from the S&P 500 specifically that you recommend being a good starting point for people to invest in? So I would say if you're starting to invest and you have less than 250,000, you should start just by investing into the S&P 500. Okay. Like the overall, because, oh, so it's not like, in. I thought there is, S&P 500 is like the group, but then you're actually putting into like each individual company. So that is correct. So the S&P 500 is a group, but they actually make what the, what is called an ETF. And oh. it's like an index fund. And basically instead of having to buy one company at a time and like putting all your eggs in one basket, you just buy the entire index and then you don't have to worry oh. about having single stock risk or not being efficient. And I usually recommend, depending on the client's journey, I will recommend like the S&P 500 to get started because that's that's the best way to start like growing your wealth. Mm-hmm. And it's down like 20% this year, so. You know, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying it, but I'm not saying it. I love it. You know, it's a great, it's the best. I I always recommend that if you don't know what to buy, which you shouldn't be buying single stocks, even unless you have like less than a million, you really shouldn't. You'll do better off just buying the S&P 500 index. Um, You just stick it, like be very boring. The more boring, the better. Okay, okay, cool. Um, Similarly, I bet a lot of people listening, if they're savvy, they've heard of these things or it's been something that's offered to them at their company, you know, depending on where they work. But um, I know there are places that offer employee stock purchasing programs. Um, do, do you have a, a blanket piece of advice when it comes to whether or not that's something you should opt into or does it depend on the company itself? Number one, it definitely depends on the company, right? At the end of the day, you're buying your company at a bar- at a sale price, but just because it's on sale doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I actually have two clients and very different industries 
And in one hand, I told the client, I'm like, it's better for you not to opt into this mm. because this company, like it's not profitable. It's not doing well. Um, you're better off, well, well, better off just diversifying. And the other client, it was clear that the company was growing really fast. It was profitable. They, she was happy there. And it made sense. I, I, I was a true believer. I thought, I think that company is going to take over uh, a substantial piece of the market. Mm -hmm. And so for her, we're like, you have enough money outside of your company that, it's smart for you to just maximize this. Okay. Whereas with that other client, she had a lot less wealth, and so I didn't want her to take that unnecessary risk, risk. especially with not a great company. Okay, okay. Yeah. So now the other question is how much? I think that people are very confused. Mm -hmm. They finally make the decision like, okay, I'm gonna look into this. I think I should do it. It sounds like the right move, but I don't know, is there an amount that's either too little or too large to start investing with? So I would say, I always recommend to start with like $500 a month. Okay. Right, most people, all financial advisors and planners are going to say it depends. Yeah. And obviously it depends, but I know people want an answer. So I would say at least 500 a month if you can, especially okay. if you live in a city like Boston or in your expensive state, right? If you live, for example, in Spain, you don't need 500 a month. You can do a hundred or even if, if you live in like a lower tax state, but if you're living in California or Massachusetts or like these higher New York, mm. you know, Minnesota, these higher income states or higher um, expenses, it, start, try, do whatever you can. But if you need a number, I would say 500. 500 okay. to a thousand is like perfect. Obviously it depends on where you are at, but that's kind of what I would, start looking into. Okay, that's good to know because that seems manageable yeah. and doable. Um, I think that some people think, oh, I barely have any money. Why am I gonna be taking whatever's left over and investing it? Shouldn't I just be saving it? Um, because again, kind of what we've been saying, the risk versus reward there. Um, if someone was going back and forth between what do I do with this little leftover income that I have, would you nine times out of 10 say? Invest, invest it. it, a thousand. And I would say when you're young, it, you're healthier, most likely you're gonna, you're gonna have less health expenses. Mm -hmm. When you start to get into like your late 30s, early 40s, you start to have maybe more complexities, kids, you're gonna have probably more health expenses just everything becomes more expensive and when you're young you can be frugal and not be weird <laughs> <laughs> right and like yeah and, and so it's a lot easier to save that kind of money when you're young like some financial planners will say no you can invest more later on when you make more money but i found that people just have way more expenses later on in life mm. and children are pretty expensive and most people most parents are going to do as much as they can for their kids so if, if you have $100 left over, put that, like, start investing that as early as you can. Mm, that's a good point. I know you don't like to use the budgeting word, but also to, if it's like already baked into mm -hmm. your budget or your forecasting, yeah. you're, it's not like, oh man, now I am losing out on that. It was already always going away rather than trying to like, fix it or sort it out down the road. You just throw it right in there. Exactly, and I always say the first thing, as soon as you get paid, don't even let your money sit there. As yeah. soon as, when I get paid. It's dangerous. I'm not, yeah, like I have, because I'm a business owner, I'm a little bit different, but as soon as someone pays me, uh, like a client, I put 20% for taxes, because obviously when you're a business owner, you have to you pay estimated yeah. taxes. Um, but then I put 10% of it, of everything that a client pays me into the stock market for investing. And then if I can do more later on, I'm like, yep, I give myself a bonus and I put even more money. But I, I'm always trying to like maximize as much as I can. Yeah. And I feel like my clients are getting at, at that point where they're like, Sylvia, can I give you more money to invest? <laughs> that must be such a proud mama moment for you. No, they're like obsessed with it. They're oh. like, I don't like having my cash. I'm like, please keep some cash. Like, oh, they're invest all good of it. learners. I yeah. love it. So um, sort of, same but different question. Um, if somebody does have a good chunk of change to invest, um, would you recommend they do those smaller increments or is it better to invest lump sums? So if you actually look at historically, Vanguard actually did a study on this. It's a better 
financially to invest the lump sum. Like as soon as you can, it's mm -hmm. better for you to invest it as soon as possible so you get that compounding interest working for you. Mm. But I don't usually recommend to clients to do that. So even though it's financially the better way, financially it makes sense to lump sum and I do lump sums. Most people don't like, like all of a sudden if there's like a crash, they don't like to see that. So I always tell clients, Let's just do it slowly every month. Let's put in money after money, um, even though theoretically it's not the it's not the best financially, but it is the best emotionally and mentally. Mm, so that's sometimes, a good way to put it. exactly. So sometimes, a lot of the times, these studies show that it's better financially to do something, but at the end of the day, you're the one need, that needs to sleep at night, <laughs> and most people are not going to sleep well at night if they put all their money at once. Right. So that's the reason why I usually recommend to do it every single month. Wow, that's really, really great advice. Peace of mind <laughs> is priceless. Yeah. So it's, honestly, and that's what I say. Like sometimes people are like, "You should be doing this. You should be doing that." Some clients like to keep, you know. $50,000 in their checking account because they mm -hmm. need it. Uh, I even have two clients that are sisters and one of them likes to keep 60000 just because of emergencies, even though she doesn't need that much money in cash, the other one doesn't even keep two thousand. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> girls, like we need to have we fun need to balance. find you somewhere in the middle. Right? But at yeah. least like they sleep well at night having that, and they like for the other one, she doesn't sleep well if she has too much cash. She's like, I'm like, it needs to work for me. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it depends on the person and what their specific situation is, and there's ways to handle it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, another question too, I think is like working with high net worth clients, you have had people 300, $500 million. Is there a certain salary or amount of money that a person makes that you would say, I don't think that a financial advisor is necessary. Like does a specific threshold need to be met? Obviously most people here at listening, myself included in this area, we don't have $500 million. So <laughs> Me either, don't worry. Okay, <laughs> great, perfect. I'm glad we're on the same page there. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we are making six figures yeah. and is that too small of an amount to still get someone like you on board helping us out? Yeah, so absolutely not. So the reason why I started my own company was because I wanted to work with people that didn't have 500 million. So I would say, so I actually have two types of services that I recommend to people. Usually if you're making less than six figures, like less than 100,000, I think maybe doing an online course, learning about investing and kind of getting to understand um, especially if you're, you're in your early stages, mm -hmm. you're probably gonna be very simple. Like if you're just graduated from college or you have like a nine to five, you just have like a regular, you're pretty simple, you feel, you don't have kids yet, you don't have a husband, anything like that. You're probably, you can probably maybe do a, like a one-time thing with a financial advisor and okay. kind of set yourself up, which is something that I created for people that didn't really need ongoing help. Cause I'm like, you're gonna be paying for nothing. Versus I think, all business owners, like if you're self-employed, you're gonna like save so much money with a financial planner because we mm. can do so much to help you save on taxes and investing. And there's just so many more avenues that we can do because you're much more complex. So even if you make less than six figures, but you're like self-employed or you're a business owner, you're probably gonna be better off with a financial planner just because of the complexity it is yeah. when you're running a business and you have your personal stuff. Uh, but I think it really depends if you're single and you're like renting a home, you don't really have a, you know, you're just kind of doing, you're probably just better off maybe hiring a financial advisor once or doing like a course type of thing. Okay. Learning about investing a little bit and then kind of doing it yourself. Cause then it can kind of run itself. You can get it set up. Set up and forget it. And exactly. Cool. And that's actually one of the things that we created for people that I was like, I don't want to. I don't want you to pay me forever because this this is doesn't How make any very sense. very considerate of you. <laughs> well, I, well, they say like you know at the end of the day, it's my reputation and it's also the client. I don't feel good taking someone's money that I don't feel like I bring value. Mm -hmm. And so what we started doing these like VIP days where we would set up everyone like we would set up a client, set it up, and then we set it and forget it. And that way, I know that you don't have to keep paying someone ongoing. Um, especially if you're better off just keeping that money in your pocket. 
That's so. awesome. So if you don't go the one time or the course route and you go with actually, you know, having continuous meetings and an ongoing relationship, is it like monthly? Is it quarterly? How often do you meet? Yeah. So it's actually, it usually we have two formal biannual calls. So at the beginning of okay. the year, we're going to set up, we are going to review your entire you know, financial plan. We want to create forecasts. We want to create like, what is that year going to look like? And so we can work like ongoing and then we're always there like we can hop on Zooms, things like that. We're always mm -hmm. in contact, you know, updates, things like that. With the one-time plan, it's kind of, I think at the end of the day, it also depends on the person. If you feel comfortable maybe taking an online course and doing it yourself, I think you're going to be better off just like saving that money and DIYing it. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're like, Sylvia, I don't sleep. Like I've had some people where like you could truly, they could, they really need it like that. CFO yeah. or whatever you want to yeah. call or that financial planner or some people just need someone to hold them accountable too you exactly. know you can have the tools or you know you can lead a horse to water all these things right but actually making sure you stick with it can be tough for some people exactly and now it used to be that financial advisors were only for the ultra wealthy and yes. now there's so many new advisors that are like catering to younger demographics people like like me like i'm i'm usually catered to younger and like a women business owners mm -hmm. uh men but it's just a lot there's so much more possibility now which i love because it's all too often people are getting to that point where they're retiring or wanting to retire and then they realize they never set themselves up for success and they can't retire at the age that they're supposed to or should be able to, right? Yeah. So it's it's difficult for a lot of people, but again, because we weren't given that education from the get-go, so now you can help to you know avoid that for people down the road so that they don't get to the 11th hour and have that panic set in they've already been doing this and it's a well-oiled machine yeah exactly and I even I that's exactly right and some clients are like oh this is great now I know what to do because they're very like they they tackle their finances others most of the time they're like I just need ongoing because I know I'm not going to do this if I don't I don't have yeah or whatever. <laughs> um, so where can they find your um website so my website, I think it's the easiest thing is to find me on Instagram. Okay, to DM you. So what um, you can DM me. It's called Wealth Financial Advisor. If you just type in Financial Advisor, I'm one of the first people that will come up, and you can DM me if you're interested. We can hop on a call, see if you need help, uh, because I do have like different avenues for people in order, especially for people that may not not need like one on one, mm -hmm. that maybe just need some education and getting to understand this. Yeah, um, that may be helpful. So. Okay, perfect. The wealth uh, financial advisor, like I'm glad you're here because if I had just seen that, I'd be like, oh, well, she clearly isn't for me because oh. I ain't got no wealth. <laughs> but um, clearly you are perfect for a lot of people. So I'm glad that you have, we've had this and you know, you've been able to clarify all that. And so just DM you is the best. DM me, that's the best. That's the easiest. Okay. You can go to my website. It's menentcapital.com. I feel like it's probably going to be easier for you. Just go on Instagram and find me financial advisor yeah. and I'm one of those first people to come up you and have a lot of great tips little videos on there you share a lot of great information so it's a great account just to follow too um, but of course if you're interested in just having a like a consultation um, definitely reach out clearly she's the sweetest warmest mm -hmm. thing so there's nothing to be shy about people um, and then my other question to you is more around this recession I'm curious with your background, what your thoughts are. Do you think that there is cause for alarm or do you think that it's all going to even on the wash? Yes. So number one, no, I don't think it's cause for alarm. So um, for the, in the year 2000, when there was like another recession, it was a mild recession. I think one of the things that people should at least, one of the things from an investing point of view is that and I don't want to get too technical, but the stock market always is a forward looking indicator, mm. which means that it crashed this year because it's looking forward for a recession. The recession is supposed to be coming next year. That's what everyone's predicting. What I would say is just half six months of cash 
in your savings account, especially if you might work for like a tech company that doesn't have earnings. Mm. Um, I would just, you know, not be cause for concern, but I would look at the company that you're working at and see, okay, are you at a company that's kind of like these new companies that are, you know, cutting down on costs because a lot of tech companies are kind of stopped hiring. And I know mm. we talked about this. I don't think it's going to be a very intense recession. Okay. Um, and like in comparison to 2008. Oh yeah. Nothing. Not, no, yeah. no, 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 no. For, oh, in 2008, I mean, the, the financial system collapsed. Yeah. Like <laughs> so we're is, not looking into something like that happening. This is not like that at all. Okay. Um, but if people want to like prepare for a recession, mm -hmm. uh, I would say just increase your cash cushion to okay. six months in case, you know, something happens to your job or your company. I don't think that's anything is going to happen. Most of the, most of the, like most of the layoffs have already happened. Yeah. But I would always, you know, be cautious just because, you know, interest rates are increasing, but I don't think it's, to be honest, I'm not worried at all. Okay, mm -hmm. that's very reassuring. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. And then before I let you go, I have one last question for you. I always like to end with like a big general piece of advice because I know it ends up being a lot of information. And if there's one thing that the people can take away from the episode, I like to summarize it here. So for you, my question is, what do you think is the number one thing that your financial advisor wants you to know. And if you think there's anything specifically towards women, add that in too. But if it's general, men and women, everybody, that's okay. Yeah, so generally, I would say even men and women, just women, we need to invest more because most of the time we're probably going to be caretakers, either for kids or for our elderly parents, and we live longer. So we need more money than men do so what i would say is we need more money to live because i mean we're gonna be taking care of them yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> my one piece of advice would be if you don't want to start investing because it's too scary for you what i would do is open up a high yield savings account okay because uh those are in cash but they're probably going to give you a higher interest than the cash that's in your bank account right now. So you can just Google high yield savings account if you're too scared to start investing. But if you're not too scared, you can go into either Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard. These are all different companies that you can open up an investment account and kind of start investing that way. I wouldn't say to start investing without doing understanding first, but if you are interested in kind of getting your leap, that's the first thing. That but would. that's how simple it is too, right? Obviously, you know, do your research, yep. learn and figure out how you want to do it. But I mean, there's no excuse in a way, right? Because you can, it's on the internet. You go in, you put, you put in your information, you click the, a button. It's the done. same as opening a regular account. Like mm -hmm. it's very simple. You either go to Fidelity, Schwab or Vanguard. Those are my three favorites. I personally use Schwab. Okay. Fidelity's here in Boston and they're I like know. neighbors. I'm a Fidelity girl. Yeah. <laughs> there are, and there are neighbors. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, they are. They're all, yeah, they live in Boston. Mm -hmm. So they're like- Support Boston. local. No, yeah, I'm just Support kidding. local businesses. <laughs> Fidelity uh, is far beyond that. They're uh, fine. No, yeah, they're to totally. <laughs> Do whatever so. makes sense for <laughs> but they're great and you can just go to their website and open up an account and you can kind of start put like getting your feed wet now i have to say this for compliance purposes investing involves risk including possible loss of capital because my compliance people are going to kill me if i don't say that no girl uh, sing it from the rooftops <laughs> we're listening but it's very simple literally fidelity.com or schwab which is what i use and open up an account and you can start investing that way you are incredible. Thank you so much. I know that this is probably slightly painful for you because it's so intuitive for you. But for a lot of people, this is incredibly, incredibly helpful. So I really appreciate it. I know the listeners are going to appreciate it. One more time, where can they find you on Instagram? So Wealth Financial Advisor. That's just my handle. And if you just find me there, DM me if you listen to this. I'm more than happy to help. You can always book a call with me and we can chat about your financial situation. Don't be too embarrassed. I've had it. I've I'm seen sure it all. I'm sure you've seen it all. Exactly. I've seen it all. Yeah. <laughs> so. Aww. Well, thank you again so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.